Good morning. It is good to have this number out with us for our first half of our worship service. And uh, what a wonderful song to sing before a lesson, victory. Having a victory in Jesus. And he's the only one we can to get that everlasting victory. If we do this one thing we're going to talk about this morning. So if you have your Bibles, be opening up with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. The lifestyle of a person. Or the, the, the beginning of life, of course, we know until the age of accountability, that child is more saved than anyone ever upon this earth until that age of accountability. Age of accountability says that I know what I'm supposed to do and I have to make a choice. I know that I have sin in my life and now that I've become aware of what God would have me to do, I need to make it right. I need to be cleansed from my sins. And, of course, we learn this from God's Word. He gives us instructions that a person is supposed to do. And us as seasoned Christians, we know what those things are. You may not be, un- you may be unaware of what these things are. And it, of course, is reading and understanding what God would have you to do. First off, that's pleasing to God in and of itself. Learning what God would have us to do. That is, hearing the Word, understanding it. And in believing that word, having the faith to understand what God's word is and apply it to your life. Applying God's word to your life says, I have sinned. I have I've fallen short. I have shortcomings and I need forgiveness of those sins because that is one of the attributes of God. He is a forgiving God. So to access his forgiveness is through Christ's blood. You access Christ's blood, of course, is through baptism. And we learn that in Galatians 3.27. And therefore, then you are immersed and you're forgiven of those past sins. And then becomes the difficult part. Well, first off, I missed a step. It's hearing, believing, confessing, saying that Christ is our Lord and Savior. And we need his forgiveness. He died on the cross for us. And, of course, there is... A, Hearing, believing, confessing, repenting. I always get those two messed up every time. Repenting, then confessing, and then baptism. We think about those steps that God has given us to do. The steps that we are to take to be a child of God. Well, put your minds back to that person who you used to be. The person who who we remorse, who we don't want to go back to. We're sorrowful for that person. We was once dead in our trespasses. As we learn here, as Paul writes into the church in Ephesus in chapter 2, he says, and once you were dead in trespasses, once you was a child of Satan, you was a follower of Satan. We don't want to be that person anymore. We want to be this child of God. We want this victory in Christ. We want to have everlasting life. We want to have hope. We need this faith in God's word. Yes, all yes answers. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world. Keep those thoughts there in your mind. According to the prince of the power of the air. That's that's Satan, by the way. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Let's stop right there in that thought. Well, first off, we need to look at in which you once walked according to the course of this world. We learn in... Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, that we can't be conformed to this world. We, don't, we need to be holy. We need to be set apart. We don't need to look like the world. We can't have that carnal mind, nor can we ever have a carnal mind if we are going to put Christ on and if we're going to keep him on. Because there is an option. God does not force us to be faithful. He does not. 
God allows us an opportunity to be faithful. As people, we make the, the conscious decision, we make the choice to be either obedient to his word or unobedient or disobedient. Just, wait, wait a minute, we see that word right here in verse 2. We're going to get to that verse. We're going to get to that part in the verse. Once we was this child of disobedience. We come to realize where we were was not in a good place. Christ extended his hand, invited you through his word, and many in this audience responded to that invitation, putting him on, having access to his blood, and having your sins washed away. And that's a continual cleansing, by the way, as we learn in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. Walking this world as God himself would walk, the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. If we, of course, repent of our sins, if we confess of our sins, then we will stand with him in judgment. He will, we will be known unto him. Hearing those wonderful words, well done, good and faithful servant. So we see this part here that we once walked according to the course of this world. Keep in mind what Romans chapter 12 says, verses 1 and 2. The rest of verse 2. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, who now works. That is today, here in 2021. Yeah, I know it was in the first century when Paul wrote this. It carries on. The wickedness of ungodly men carries on even unto this day. We can see them. We can see them. We can see sin. We can see works of disobedience. We can see the works of Satan everywhere. And he's sneaking in little by little. And so much more and more is being uh, received. So much more is being condoned in society. I didn't say the church. The church will not condone such acts, nor can it ever condone such ungodly acts. One that's forced down our throat these days is homosexuality. Romans chapter 1 speaks of these acts. And these acts are worthy of death. The ones who condone such acts is worthy of death. Let's don't be worthy of death. Because that evil spirit, Satan himself called the prince of the power of the air in verse 2, is working in the hearts of the men and women, of course, who are ungodly. We speak of, we, we, we spoke this morning of tribulation, hard times, difficulties. We spoke of that this morning. James is going to refer to it in chapter 1. We're going to, read, we're going to cover those verses, time constraining, about tribulation happening in our lives. Those combatants, those difficult interactions, those things, well, you're wrong, I can do what I want to. Uh, God says otherwise. If you do have a hope of everlasting life, the things that you are doing that are sinful... Uh, they can't happen. We can't condone them nor have anything to do with them. I can't go along with it. And I'm here to show you that it's wrong. We was once that person. Said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I was never that person. I would never condone those things. I believe the scriptures tell us that sin is sin. Us as human beings put the degree of sin on it. 
Would you think lying is, is bad? Of course it's bad. Now, which is worse, lying or murder? Society says murder's worse. We artists read the scripture this morning, do not kill or do not murder. Referring back to the Ten Commandments. Hmm. To us as society puts the degree of sin on. So lying is not as bad as murder. Murder's horrible. In God's eyes, it's the same. It will, it will cost us our salvation if we do either one or any of the degrees as society in between. Any sin that we participate, if we abide in it, it will cost us our salvation. We can't walk according to the world nor with the prince of the power of the air because those sons are the sons of disobedience. We need to be the sons of, of course, daughters. The ladies are included in this statement. We need to be with God. We need to be obedient unto his word. That is, unto death. Revelations 2.10 speaks of the outcome of being faithful unto death. Even through serious persecutions. But keep in mind, we was once that lost person. Look at verse 1 very carefully one more time. And you he made alive. I wish it would stop there. I wish it would stop there and be just wonderful. It's not. We once were dead in our trespasses. And sins. I'm thankful as a child of God we are no longer there. We no longer have that status of being dead. Spiritually dead. We have a wonderful hope. We have a hope of everlasting life if and only if we stay faithful. But unfortunately the ways of the world come in between a child of God and God and they put the world first turning their backs on God just like those disciples did in John in 66 they turned their backs and they walked away putting one foot in front of the other and said that's too hard to follow and I'm not going to do it they gave up their salvation being obedient to it it's difficult it's, it's, it's staying sin free in our lives or staying away from sin none of us are sin free let me clarify there staying away from sin is a difficult task because it's everywhere it's so easy to disobey God. Unknown as well. Again, 1 John 1 and 7. Cover that very carefully. So we learn here in Ephesians chapter 2, we have an option. We have an option to walk according to the world or to walk according to the Spirit. We can take encouragement through the Word if we walk in the Spirit, not according to Satan, but if we're walking in the Spirit, God promises us everlasting life. I can't be any more clear on that. I can't stress that enough is to be faithful, to be obedient to His Word. I'm going to have us to turn as we know that in which you once walked according to the course of this world in verse 2. Oh, hold on a second. I turned too many. Wrong bookmark. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. We just made mention of this, and I want to read them. So read them along with me there. Romans chapter 12, verses 1. And two. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Again, that was that was an odd term, a, a living sacrifice in the first century. A sacrifice would have had to have been killed, but Paul's talking about giving up the world, giving up the things that, that are pleasing, that are sinful. Be it be a living sacrifice. Holy that is, set apart from the world, not according to the prince of the power of the air, in verse 2 of Ephesians 2. Acceptable to God. First off, let's look at that. those three words there. Acceptable to God. Do you know it's acceptable to God? 
Do you know what he was requiring of you? Do you know what the things that you are participating or don't participate in this world may or may not be sinful and displeasing in the eyes of God? First off, we need to realize what God would have us to do by opening up our scriptures and diving into it and applying it to our lives, sticking it into our hearts and letting it drive us in our everyday walks of life. That must happen as a child of God. Acceptable to God. And he finishes that verse off wonderfully. Which is your reasonable service. He's not asking too much of it to be faithful to his commands. We're going to see a four-lettered word. We're going to see a four-lettered word as a child of God is the most pleasing word that you can think about. It's love. We're going to go there next. We think about not being conformed to this world. Let's look at verse 2 because we can't participate in the things of the world nor follow Satan because that spirit works in the sons of disobedience. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, but be transformed by the renewing, oh, that renewing, the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If you couple verse 1 and verse 2, first off, we need to find out what's acceptable to God. Find out what he would have us to do. And then verse 2, do it. Prove what you're doing is acceptable to God by going out there and doing it. Encouraging the lost. Encouraging those sons and, of course, daughters of disobedience to turn away from Satan. For he can't promise you one thing. You and I was once there. Someone encouraged us to come out of our sinful ways and come to God. We realized what hope meant. We realize what to be alive in God meant. To have that promise through His Son to have our sins remitted. When I think about the cross, my heart is broken. Every time, every time I teach the cross of Jesus Christ, my heart is broken. Because He went to the, He went to the cross for me. He went to the cross for you. He went to the cross for those individuals who have yet even considered Him. He went to the cross for those individuals who were slapping him in the face, spitting in his eye. It breaks my heart to know that the Son of God had to do that. To suffer that anguishing death so that I can stand before God, pure, whole, and justified, if I remain faithful to his word. If I don't be conformed to this world, because this world's going to be gone one day. I can't be conformed to it. I need to be releasing and I need to be not anything doing with it. And same goes with everyone that's hearing my voice and everyone as a child of God. We have to be holy. We have to be acceptable to God. First off, we need to figure out what it is that he wants us to do and then go out there and do it and prove to the world what God would have you to do. Isn't that wonderful? It's a difficult task, but isn't it wonderful to know that we can stand before God justified I did not say that we're sin free. I did not. I will never say that. Because I have sinned just as much as you do. I deal with it daily. But we can get forgiveness of those sins. We can abide in the love that is Jesus Christ and the same love that he had for his Father. All right, so we're moving on. So now we can't be conformed to the world. We're going to be living sacrifices, finding out what God would have us to, have us to do and do them 
proven to the world that what you're teaching is the truth and what you're obeying is the truth and it will give you everlasting or promise everlasting life, that gift. John chapter 15, starting in verse 9. I cover this often. I, I try to cover these verses in almost every sermon because it's important. It's, it's no more important than the rest of the Bible, but it's important to know what we must do. It's important what's ready, willing, and available out there for us. How many of us like health care? How many of us like paying those big doctor bills? You, you ever get your uh, doctor bill in and the majority of it's been paid by your insurance company? How many of us like that? Well, you got to pay that. Right? How many of us like, how many of us like paying all of them? $100,000 bill, and you might have to pay $2,000 of it. I like that $2,000 better than that $100,000, right? Any day. Let's think about Judgment Day with that same scenario. How many of us would rather hear, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joys of our Lord? Or how many of us would rather hear, depart from me, workers of iniquity? Well, that's a no-brainer, Jeremy. I'd much rather hear, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joys of your Lord. I promise this isn't here. Enter into heaven. Come go with me. I'm taking you with me. John chapter 15, verse 9. This is what this says. As the Father, this is Jesus Christ. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. And a lot of folks say, well, I love Jesus. The majority of the world, wait a minute, those conformed to the world, those uh, have conformed to the world, not renewed their mind. And back over here in, in Ephesians, when they said that uh, the spirit of the, uh, spirit, well, I just lost my thought. The prince of the power of the air who works in now the spirit of the sons of disobedience. Those folks who are disobeying God. Well, I love Christ. I love God. Huh? Do you know, do you know what you just said is a lie? Because what you are doing is not pleasing to God. Nor are you abiding in Christ's love as he says there in verse 9 of John chapter 15. Abide in my love. Now, verse 10. Well, how do we, how do we abide in Christ, though? How, I have instructions? Yes, we do, right here. John 15, verse 10. If you keep my commandments. Well, let's stop right there. Whose commandments? Christ's commandments. This is Christ speaking. If your letters are in red when Christ is speaking, this is our Lord and Savior speaking. He says, keep my commandments, not the commandments of men. No, that is not what he says. He says, not your own commandments. That's not what he says. Not my altered commandments. That's not what he says. If you keep my commandments, which ones? That's all of them. Folks today like to pick and choose. Folks today like to pick and choose. When it's difficult, they'll go their own way. But when it's easy, they'll go with Christ. We need to go with Christ through the good times. We need to be with Christ through the bad times. Folks, he will, see, he will see us through it. He will put nothing above us that we can't handle. That's God's own, that's on God's own promise. So we see there, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Did you hear what he said? A lot of folks say they love Christ. I love God. Of course I love God. And yet they're disobedient to him. They, they're those sons and daughters of disobedience. Those folks participating in the world, having that carnal mind. And the result of a carnal mind is death. 
But a spiritual mind is life and peace. We learn that in Romans chapter 8. So here in John 15 verse 10, we see that we have to keep Christ's commandments. In doing so, we will abide in his love. Notice the word abide. You might That, that might be a funny word to you. That might be just a, a, a funny word that you never really hear much often unless you open up the scriptures and listen to Christ talk. But here you go. This is him telling you to abide in his love. Abide means to stay. Many of us live in our homes. That's not the word. Abide is not to live. It means to stay. None of us abide in our homes because we showed up here at worship service this morning. You live in your home. You come and go out of your home. You go to the grocery store. You go to friends' houses. Well, not, not these days so much. But you live in your home. You don't abide in your home. If you was to abide in your home, you'd have to stay there. Stay. To abide in Christ's love from a lack of a better example is like a life sentence in a 4 by 8 sale. And the door is welded shut. I know that's a, like I said, that's a poor example of being in Christ. But you're going to be connected to Him continuously. You're going to abide in Him and you're going to let nothing come between Him or you. Are we doing this? Have we given up the world? Can we honestly say we were once dead in our trespasses and sins? Or have we yet to give up our trespasses and sins? Do we continually keep going back to them? That's not re repentance is. That's abiding in sin. That's abiding in death. Not abiding in Christ's love. Because Christ's love, if you're abiding in Him, you're going to keep, hold on to, hold fast, never let go His commands. And you're going to go out there and do them. I said we was going to get to James chapter 1. So turn there with me. James chapter 1, <clears throat> verse 2. Being a child of God is not always easy. Keep, abiding in Christ's love is not always easy. When we think about it, so of course keeping Christ's commands. I, I see the end result. I see, I see life. I see justification. I see heaven. I see these wonderful things. But unfortunately, the world is still here. We are still abiding in it. We're, we're, we're still here. Until we leave, we're abiding on the earth. Sinful things are around us. They pull us. They entice us. That's Satan working at your heart. It's called trials. It's called tribulation. James considers it joy when we fall into such things. Joy? Why would we take joy in tribulation? Why can't, we, why can't it just be smooth sailing? Because it's not designed to be. James chapter 1 verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Let's stop at that sentence in verse 4. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Out there walking in the world, you have opportunities every single day. You have opportunities to, to falter God. You have opportunities to sin. You have an opportunity to disobey God. Take it within yourself to know that whenever you sin, when you falter, when you disobey God... You sin and you are lost at that point in time. Oh, 
What do you mean? You mean once I'm once I'm immersed, once I'm baptized, I can sin and fall short again? Yes, sirs, and yes, ma'ams, you can. It's a horrible scenario to know that you need repentance and you refuse to do so. Keep in mind, why did why did Jesus Christ go to the cross again? Huh, so our sins may be remitted. So we can stand before God pure, whole, and justified. As he takes our sins on, when we turn to him, turn away from our sins, he says, well done, good and faithful servant on judgment day. But until we turn away from our sins, if we are abiding in not Christ's love, because I believe we're also taught, all the book, chapter, and verses to escape me, that we put ourselves in enmity with God when we sin. When we walk according to this world, we become God's enemy. Uh, the enemies of God will be destroyed on judgment day by fire, <coughs> an eternal fire. Let me put that into your minds. And if you are a child of God, referring back or having your faith tested and falter, that is, you succumb to sin, you turn your back to Christ and God, you count his blood a common thing, and his sacrifice costs you no, avails you nothing. Excuse me, let me clarify that. Hebrews 10, verse 26. For if we sin willfully, the sacrifice of sins no longer exists for us. Uh, that's scary. That's scary to stand before God and say, You falter. You didn't repent of your sins. You didn't ask for forgiveness. Therefore, you did not get no forgiveness. Depart from my left. Where pain and suffering and anguish for an eternity exists. But God does not want. That's his will. That's his wish. He wishes that everyone everywhere would come to repentance. To know him and his son and to be obedient to his word. That's God's will. He allows his instructions right here. As we've opened up to it right here in the portion of James. Your faith is tested daily. Christ's faith was tested he didn't succumb to the devil. He told him, get behind me. Get away from me. I want nothing to do with you. That's the same thing that we should tell him daily as we are tested, as we are tempted, and as we are tried. So this morning, I want to ask a, a, an important question at this time. Have you succumbed to the devil? Have you taken that short walk with him? Or have you taken yourself out of the love of Christ? with that sinful walk by not keeping his commands that is all of them well time constraint we can't cover them all that's Matthew to Revelation man I still want to put an S on the end of that Revelation that was habit by the way this morning I want, to look, I want you to look within yourselves because Christ may be coming at the end of this lesson are you ready for him to come he may come tomorrow because tomorrow's never promised for anybody. If you was to stand before God right now, what words would you hear? Depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. We find that in Matthew 7, verse 23. But we hear multiple, multiple examples of well done, good and faithful servant. We hear multiple promises of heaven we hear multiple promises of salvation isn't that way better for as we have an opportunity right now to get right in the eyes of God of, 
getting forgiveness of our sins, coming forward, confessing those sins, and getting forgiveness of those sins. Does that need to happen this morning? Or have you yet to be baptized? Have you yet first taken that walk? Have, are you still dead in your trespasses and sins? Because in once you once walked according to the prince of the power of this air, do you need to be made alive this morning? Do not hesitate. Do not wait. Come to God. Whether it be through baptism or after baptism, repentance. Does that need to happen this morning? Why don't we do so as we stand and as we sing the song of invitation?